0: Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the Uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. I love your word. I love the way it comforts me. Oh man, today we are gonna continue our uh, through the Bible line by line, verse by verse, but we made it to Exodus chapter six. And there is a real important kind of layout of the rest of the book of Exodus in Exodus chapter 6 and a picture of our salvation. And last week we started talking about sanctification and we found out that one of the major theological themes in the book of Exodus is all about salvation. It is a picture of us going from bondage and slavery to freedom in Jesus Christ, amen? And I believe it's important that we examine and continue to examine today the role of sanctification, that covenant relationship that we have with Christ. You see, we found out last week in in the Talmud, which is the uh, Jewish kind of commentary on the Pentateuch, you know, the first five books of the Bible, they compared sanctification to marriage. And they said it's a covenant, that it is being set apart for exclusive use for your spouse in marriage and spiritually set apart for exclusive use by and for God. It is really important that we get uh, really to understand the definition of sanctification because so many people have gotten it wrong and we're only going to use scripture. So we're set apart by and for God. Last week we established that sanctification is the work of Jesus Christ, he's the one that sanctifies us, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We also talked about this cup. You know, if I went to a garage sale and I purchased a cup, it was dirty, I would buy it, it's mine, I would wash it, make it clean, and I would set it apart for exclusive use for me to drink water that's sanctification some people have said it's an ongoing process and we will never be sanctified till the rapture today we're going to find out exactly which part of our walk is an ongoing process and if sanctification is a completed work in jesus christ that's why everywhere we find it in the new testament guess what tense it is past tense It's a completed work, not an ongoing work. So it's really important because so many people, actually pretty much everybody, says sanctification is an ongoing process. Folks, it simply is nothing we can do. It's all done by God. Do you think God completes his work in us? Amen, I can tell you he will. We need to finish our glimpse, and so we're gonna get into it. First, how are we sanctified? If it's a completed work in scripture, yet most theologians and Bible teachers say it's an ongoing process, what does the Bible say about how we're sanctified? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 through 5 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified. That's you and me and everything else by what? Means of the word of God and prayer are you in the word of god this morning are you a man or woman or young person of prayer folks that is the sanctifying process that's our part in it hebrews chapter two eleven says for he who sanctifies that's jesus christ and those who are sanctified that's all of us are all from one father god the father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren It's not a work that we do. We cannot try to be holy, and thus now we're sanctified. Folks, it is a completed work by God himself, and it's important we get that. We're sanctified by Jesus Christ. It's really his work of redemption. It's being in the word and prayer. It's holy living that results from sanctification. Sanctification is not holy living. You cannot be holy enough to be sanctified. But I tell you what, once you're sanctified, you begin to be dedicated to God. And everything you do in word or deed, we do all things unto who? Jesus Christ. We do it all by his power for his glory. Everything we do. Sanctification is one of those words that, man, we really need to understand. It's through the word. Prayer and the Spirit, Romans chapter 15, verse 16. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 1-2. To the church of God at Corinth, to those who have been, past tense, sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling. Do you know what the word saints means? Yeah, literally it means those that are sanctified. Past tense. In fact, the word saint, in hagioso the, in the Greek, is the same word of sanctification with a little bit different word, hagiozos. And so what we find is these are the same words. And do you know that everywhere in the New Testament, we're called saints? Do you know that? You don't have to do five miracles and all these things, and then once you're dead, get pronounced sainthood by some council or pope. We are all saints of God. Do you know that? Do you know what saints means? Those who have been sanctified, past tense. That's what the word means. We're going to get there. Sanctified literally has the idea of being redeemed, and 1 Corinthians 6.11 tells us clearly the progression in our salvation it says and such were some of you we know what the the earlier verses said what right scoundrels liars adulterers effeminate homosexuals all these horrible uh sinful people and they are make no mistake about it sin is horrible in the eyes of god do you know that saints of god saints of god stop practicing sin repent and run to the lord And let him wash you and cleanse you. But such were some of you. Oh, but you were, past tense, washed in the blood of Christ. Then you were sanctified, set apart by and for God for his exclusive use. That everything you do in life will be for God's glory. That's sanctification. And then you were justified. Guess what that is? That's when a judge looks at a cup and says, this is completely clean and washed. I now pronounce it clean and holy. That's justification. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Hebrews, speaking of Christ's payment on the cross, 1010, says by this we, will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Sanctification literally means being fully dedicated to God, set apart by and for him for his exclusive use. Exodus chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. Turn there really quick, because this is what we're basing, what we're discussing last week and this week. And it really lays out kind of uh, uh, the rest of the book of Exodus in a, in a, a promises of God. So Exodus chapter six, verse four. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourn. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel. That's the first step. Because of the Egyptians who are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. From last week, you remember, the minute you repent, what does God do? Remembers the covenant. Hey, I remember Christ's blood, the blood of the new covenant, cleanses you from all sin. So we cry out to God for help. We cry out to God when we repent of a sin that we've committed. And the first thing he does is remembers that great price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. Then what does he do? Oh, this is good. Verse six, say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, all capitals, remember, that's Yahweh. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The next step, God brings us out from the mire and the muck. We repent, he remembers covenant, and he rescues us or saves us. Continued on. I will also redeem you. How are we redeemed? We're purchased by the blood of Christ. Man, we're bought and paid for. I'll redeem you. That's the next step with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people. That's being sanctified, set apart by God to be his people. Folks, just like the nation of Israel was set apart to be God's people, even when they failed, were they still God's people? Absolutely, even when they were in captivity under Nebuchadnezzar, they were still the people of God. They were set apart by God. It didn't matter what they did. It was all an act of God setting them apart to be his people. Just like us, when we sin, we're still children of God. He never leaves us nor forsakes us despite our wickedness and our rebellion. We are still set apart by and for God. Continue on. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for your possession. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but notice what they did. They did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. So, what we have here is this lined out in those verses. First step, we talked about it last week God hears when you cry out for help or repent. You know, the first step of getting right with God is to do what? Cry out for help and repent. Folks, I don't know about you, but sometimes several times a day, I have to come before the throne of God and say, Lord, oh, wretched man that I am. Lord, cleanse me and forgive me. And instantly, what does he do? Remembers the covenant. Every time he doesn't remember your sin, he remembers that Christ paid for your sin. It's so beautiful. The next step, man, I remember my covenant with you. The next step, I'll bring you out. That's faith. God will save. The next step, I'll deliver you. That's how were they delivered? Through the Red Sea. That's the washing and regeneration. Clean and set free. I will redeem you. That's sanctification. It's being bought by God like, the, like our communion things down here. We purchased those. We washed them. And now they're set apart for exclusive use for communion. That's just like you. That's sanctification. That's redemption. And I'll receive you as my own. That's justification. Hey, this is clean. You're a vessel worthy, not in your own works, but in Christ's works, to be mine. That's justification. I've set you apart. I've declared you holy. I've imputed my righteousness to you. Isn't that awesome that God does that? And the last one, the last step Man, I'm going to be your God. Covenant relationship. And that is the whole book of Exodus in a nutshell in our text this morning. God, hears your prayers. The first step, Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to who? All who call upon him. Yeah, broken and contrite heart. Oh, the Lord does what? Does not despise. All you got to do is call out to God and he hears you. He hears your prayers. To all who call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. Folks, prayer is important. Times alone with God is extremely important. Verse 20, the Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. First step is repentance. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. I know this is for the nation of Israel, but are we God's people this morning? Hey, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, oh, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And we could replace that with heal their marriage, heal their home, heal their house, heal their church. Man, God is just looking for a people that will cry out. It's the first step. Psalm 86, five, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive in abundant and loving kindness to all who call upon you. Verse six, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplication. In the day of my trouble I shall call upon you for you will answer me. God hears not only your petitions, but he hears when you repent and he remembers that covenant. God hears our prayers, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous. He remembers his covenant with us to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we hear the message, we believe and confess. God remembers that covenant with us. And so the next step is, I remember my covenant with you. And we know the new covenant, right? Christ, when he gave communion, what did he say? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. Hey, this is the blood of the new covenant. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And communion is all about remembering the covenant relationship that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's super important. The new covenant is the gospel. Turn to Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 31. And we get a glimpse of of this new covenant, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. We know the chapter begins with what? Now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse 31 he goes on to say, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things who will bring a charge against God's elect God is the one who justifies who is the one who condemns Jesus Christ is he who died yes rather was raised who is at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us who will separate us from the love of Christ will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. you think that's the gospel in a nutshell? Isn't it good news? It really is all about what happened to the nation of Israel. And that example is written, and we covered it last week, for our instruction. Everything that was written in the Old Testament is important. It was written so that we would learn about the gospel. So, the next step is I will bring you out. Literally, that's faith. God will save you. God hears, He remembers covenant, and He will bring us out. He will deliver you from the trial that you're going through. All you got to do is believe. Romans ten thirteen says, "For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved." How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed, and how will they believe? in him in whom they have not heard and how will they hear without a preacher who did god send to the nation of israel in exodus moses right who does god send to the lost and hurting world in slavery here today just just you pastors right no all of us Man, we become like Moses to a lost and hurting world. We must, folks, go out and declare the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting and enslaved world. How will they believe if they don't hear? They will not. Verse 15. And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, Who has believed our report? So faith, believing in God, trusting that God is the one who saves, comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Folks, it's important that we become ambassadors of Christ. Faith results in leaving the world behind, being washed and proceeding to the next step, faith brings us to Jesus. Hebrews 10:22 says, Let us draw near with a sincere heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you know what took faith for the children of Israel to leave Egypt? In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, it says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea. As though they were passing through a dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Faith allows us to be washed and set free from the chains of sin. Once Israel passed through the Red Sea, guess what? They were cleansed symbolically, and they became God's people set apart. But what happened to them? Yeah, for 40 years, even though they were saved, they were washed, they were set apart, sanctified, they became God's people even during that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Guess what? When Joshua took them across the Jordan, they became what? Completely justified God's people. It's all an example of our salvation. Many Christians, they... Go through the Red Sea, they get baptized, they believe, they become set apart, but the rest of their Christian journey is in the wilderness. They feel far from God, and they always want to go back to Egypt. And they always look at their past and say how great it was when there's something so much better right on the other side of the Jordan River. Folks, they weren't saved at the Jordan River, they were already set apart and God's people when they crossed the Red Sea. They were God's people when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. What was it? The discipline of God. Just as in Hebrews, it tells us those whom God loves, he does what? Disciplines. That's why we fear God and we stay on the narrow path. So what we have is we're here. God remembers covenant. We have faith that God will save us. He delivers us or washes us as we go through the Red Sea. And that's kind of really interesting because Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Isn't that what Israel wanted to do? In the wilderness... Man, we're tired of this heavenly food that you're feeding us. Man, God, you're supernaturally giving us manna from heaven. It's so awesome at first. But finally, they're wondering and they say, Man, we want to go back to our slavery in Egypt. And so many Christians just are exactly like that. They're free in Christ, but they don't stand firm in their freedom. They want to go back to the yoke of slavery, to whatever it was that held them in bondage. We're set free in Christ and washed by the blood. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I don't know about you, but I need cleansed. I need washed. Almost every day I get stained from the evil in the world that's all around us. Even driving down the freeway and seeing a billboard or hearing something on the news, there's evil all around us. We need that washing of the Holy Spirit and regeneration. The next verse, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Folks, the fact is we all fail, God. But the other fact is we belong to him, and he's the one that washes us and cleanses us. First John 1, 9 again, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As soon as they passed through the Red Sea, they were set apart by God to be his people. So even though the children of Israel would end up wandering for 40 years, it's all a picture of sanctification. They were still God's people. 1 Corinthians 10.1 says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, the Red Sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Were they literally baptized? No, they didn't even get wet. But God, through that, that baptism, that symbol of baptism brought them in to be set apart by and for him. They became God's people and all ate the same spiritual food. Do we eat the same spiritual food? It's the word of God. Yes, we do. How about our spiritual drink? Next verse, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Jesus Christ. Do you think it was an example of our salvation? Absolutely. It was a picture of what happens to us it was exactly that. Exodus 15, too. Man, it gets even clearer because later in Exodus, they say, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Does Jesus do that for us? Absolutely. In your loving kindness, Exodus 15, 13, you have led the people who you have redeemed. Who redeems us? Jesus Christ. In your strength and you have guided them to your holy habitation. This is an example of what happens to us. Exodus fifteen, sixteen. Terror and dread fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone until your people pass over. O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased. That's all new covenant terminology. Are you with me? Folks. That's why Exodus is so important. And as we get into this, this is our sojourn. This is our journey. We are just like them. God saves us. We don't save ourselves. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what do we have? We hear. He remembers. uh, We repent. He brings out faith. He delivers us, washes us. And the next, I redeem you. I purchase you. You're sanctified, you're set apart by and for God and I'll receive you just as my own and I'll be your God. So what do we have? They went from literally Goshen and Ramses way on the upper left there to Sakoth, and they went through that little bit of wilderness, the wilderness of the Red Sea, but that's where they came to the place where they crossed the Red Sea. I believe that's the place. They've seen some chariot wheels and you know, coral growth uh, around that. So that's where they crossed. It was a miraculous crossing. And it's an example of our salvation through Jesus Christ. First, they were in slavery and bondage in Egypt. You see it there. They were convicted, they repented, and they believed. First step in being a born-again Christian. Then they believed God would save them, so they followed Moses all the way to the Red Sea. What happened at the Red Sea? Man, Pharaoh's army was right behind them. They were about to be destroyed. God supernaturally parted the sea, and they crossed. And we just read that's the example of water baptism, of being washed in the blood of Christ, uh, born again by the Spirit, spiritually. And they crossed over. When they did that, they were set apart by uh, and for God, sanctification. Justification won't happen until after 40 years of wandering. And they cross the Jordan into the promised land. Then they're fully justified, but they're still sanctified, set apart by and for God after they cross the Red Sea. And it's all a picture of us being redeemed. In the Hebrew, that word means to purchase, pay ransom for. It's the idea of the kinsman redeemer. Who, who's our kinsman redeemer? Jesus Christ. In the Greek, It's Lutro, to purchase, pay for, or ransom. We're bought and set apart by and for God. And that example of a cup, you know, I don't know about you, but would you drink out of this cup? Could I declare this clean? If I did, I would be what? A liar. Do you know justification is when God declares you clean and holy? So is God a liar? oh no oh no if I buy this cup guess whose cup this is it's mine no matter how dirty it is it's still my cup and then if I wash this cup I was gonna have water and everything but if I really wash it now I can't really wash it right here (laughs) anyway pretend like it's really crystal clear clean I wash it now it's clean and I put it in my cupboard Set apart for exclusive use by and for me. That's sanctification. Justification is when I go to the cupboard and I examine the cup. Do you ever do this before you drink? I do. Every cup, man. I'll pull it out of the cupboard and say, mm, I got a little dirty in there. Is it still my cup? Is it still sanctified? Oh, yeah. It's set apart exclusive use. But it's not justified. Oh, I need to wash it again. It got dirty, it got dusty. How many times do we need to get washed, justified? A lot, a lot. Every time we sin, guess what? Are we still sanctified? Absolutely. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I wonder why every theologian says sanctification is a process. You are not sanctified, yet the Bible, every time it talks about it, says you were sanctified, past tense, completed work in Christ all it means is guess what man you are his no one's going to take you out of his hands no matter how dirty our communion stuff gets guess what it's still sanctified it's still set apart for our use for communion oh but I need to justify it again I need to wash it again and then say oh yeah holy and clean the minute we repent we become completely what does the song say White as snow, though our sin be like scarlet, <laughs> the blood of Christ cleanses us, and makes us white as snow, every time, completely justified. So we need to press on quickly. It's really important to to know this. Acts 26:18 says that they may receive forgiveness of sins, the inheritance among them which are sanctified by what? By faith, not by you. Be- becoming more like Christ, that's transformation. That's a different theological term, and that is a process. And we're going to get there really quick. That's what most theologians confuse sanctification with, transformation. Two different things. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood. It's all a work of Christ. It's our redemption in Christ. It's how he bought us cleanses us, and sets us apart for his exclusive use. The result, yeah, we do want to be holy. We're called to be holy. Man, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, God's will. Psalm 4.3 says, But now the Lord has set apart, guess what that word is? Sanctified. The godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. How would you define godly? Yeah, it's someone wholly committed to God. Uh, the, The word in the Hebrew, it's those who reflect the character of God in their actions and personality. Folks, can you still be a sinner and be a godly man or woman? Absolutely. Because most of the time we're reflecting God's character. We're becoming more like Christ. Guess what that's called? Not sanctification. That's transformation. That's, in the Greek, metamorpho. We get the term what? Metamorphosis. To change from one thing to another. To be godly, it denotes to share a personal relationship with the Lord in all those verses. The state of fully trusting God. Most importantly, it signifies the nature of those who are specifically set apart by God. And the minute you come to faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? You become this kid. You're set apart by and for God. Being godly in that way. All right. So what does it mean to be set apart? To be sanctified? What does that mean? We've been told it's a process that won't be complete till the rapture. But that's being transformed into Christ's image. Not being sanctified. Sanctification is a finished work. Transformation is the ongoing work. Sanctification is a complete work. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, uh, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So, the transformation is the ongoing process. You will not be exactly like Christ until when? Yeah, so that word transformation in the Greek is metamorpho, and it literally means to change into another form, to transform. It's the same word used as Christ at the Transfiguration. He was completely changed on the Mount. It is not sanctification. Romans 12:2 says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the same word there. It's a progressive work. It is how we become more like Christ day by day, year by year, and it will not be complete until the rapture. 1 John 3, 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are now children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. That's when that transformation is complete at the rapture of the church because we will see him just as he is. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. for now we see in a mirror dimly But then face to face, now we know in part, but then we will know fully, just as also we have been fully known. One day we will be totally changed, transformed. Already, though, folks, we are sanctified. It is not a process. I do not know why they continue to teach a doctrine that simply can't be found in Scripture. Exactly, amen. Every Christian is called a saint in the New Testament. Let's examine that word I told you already, but here's a few examples, Philippians 4.22. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Do You think Paul was like doing a dig on Caesar there? Man, the Romans were beginning to persecute Christians and he said, hey, guess what? Some of Caesar's family, they're saved. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Oh, I I like Paul. You know, he's just great. Church is all about equipping the saints. That's why we have church. Folks, it's not for people to come and get saved, even though that occurs. It's for you to come, get equipped, and go out and save people. You see, the whole idea of being a pastor, evangelist, teacher, is to equip the saints. That's you all for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. We are saints. What does the word mean? It's super clear in the Greek. It literally means, by the way, it's the same word as sanctified, but a little different ending. Uh, Saints means hagios. Sanctified is hagiazo. Same root word. The most holy thing to be pure, clean, ceremonially, or morally clean, including the idea of deserve respect, reverence, holy, set-apart, sanctified, consecrated saint. Are you set apart by God today? Absolutely. Does it have anything to do with your righteousness? No way. Sanctification is a completed work done by God that makes us his. That's the assurance of our salvation. Man, you're not gonna lose your salvation. Israel, no matter how they failed God, they never, didn't, they never were not God's people. Does that make sense? Yeah, even now, they're still God's people, even though they're, yeah, fully away from that. An object or person wholly set apart and dedicated for service to God. That's what that word saints means. Folks, we're already called saints. It literally means one who is sanctified. Past tense. Transformation is a process. Sanctification is a finished work. And who transforms us, by the way? God does oh yes we are growing we already read it from glory to glory what does that mean we should be becoming more like Christ we should be reflecting the character of God more and more every year as we grow in our walk with God but folks we won't be in that image until he appears and we'll be like him at the rapture of the church that's going to be a glorious day So what do we have? Well, about five minutes. In the Hebrew, the word sanctification is a verb that means to be set apart, to be holy, to show yourself holy, to be made holy, to be dedicated fully to to God, to be set apart. That's sanctified in the Hebrew. The idea is this. It's when a person, animal, vessel, or anything was set apart for uh, use in the temple of God back then. And folks, all their utensils would become dirty. But they were still sanctified. Exactly, we watch that all the time. So the three theological terms that come from this root, sanctification, are used for the Sabbath day. That's the seventh day. What does God call that, man? I He calls it holy. It's sanctified under the Lord. It is Saturday today. It's also used as the festival blessing over wine before the evening and noon meals. So when Hebrews get together, if you've ever been to a messianic home and they bless the wine, they sanctify it. They consecrate it wholly unto God. In the Talmud, it's used for the sanctity of marriage. In fact, the same word, sanctification, and we talked about it last week, is used for a man And a woman who come together in marriage, that word sanctification is exactly the covenant relationship they have. It is complete. It's dedicated fully for exclusive use for their spouse. Their body cannot be used by anything else, and that's in the Talmud. It's not a process. It's the result of redemption. If you are devoted to God entirely this morning, you are sanctified. Doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how you fail or don't fail God, you're still his. Set apart in the Greek, it's to make holy, sanctify, to make clean, render pure, to separate uh, from profane things and dedicated to God entirely. If you're a true child of God, I don't care how you fail God, if you're dedicated to him, you're sanctified. It comes down to that. 1 Peter 3.15, it's really interesting, that same word, we sanctify Christ as Lord in our life. What does it mean? We set him apart for us to be our exclusive Lord. You think that's a completed work? Absolutely, the minute you believe. So we sanctify Christ as Lord. He sanctifies us as joint heirs, holy in his sight. Once something or someone was sanctified in the Old Testament, it was a final act of cleansing and dedication for service to a spouse in marriage or to the temple in service to God there. That word was a completed work. No matter how much they would get dirty, they were still set apart by and for God. I think it's important. My definition, you've heard it before, it's to be set apart for exclusive use by and for God. Does that reflect who you are? Is your life set apart by and for God, to be used by him, to glorify him in all things that you do? In every interaction you have, do you point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you look for the opportunity to share Jesus Christ? Do you reflect the character of God? Do you do everything for the glory of God in word or deed? Do you do all things To the Lord, 1 Corinthians 1, 2 says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified, finished work in Christ. Saints by calling. Oh, yeah, saints. Those who have been sanctified. Tense really matters. It's past tense in the Greek. It literally means it's a completed work. It's interesting in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, Or do you not know? that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, revilers, swinders will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. Oh, and then you were set apart, sanctified for exclusive use by and for God, past tense, and then you were pronounced clean, justified and you entered into a holy covenant relationship with God right? Yes, really amen folks this morning God is looking for a people that are truly set apart by and for him we read at the beginning that everything in, the, in this world is good if you receive it with what Thanksgiving And sanctify it by what the Word of God and prayer if there's one thing that we are compelled to do in this covenant relationship with God it's to be in the Word of God and prayer if there's one thing most Christians struggle with it's maintaining their devotion in the Word of God and prayer Folks, I don't know about you, but I want to bathe my mind in the word of God. If you need to write, write out a note and stick it on your car while you're driving. Man, get up in the morning, find one verse that you can meditate on that day. Write it down, stick it on your car, put it on the mirror, put it on your phone. Text it to yourself. (laughs) You ever do that? Yeah, I've done that. Man, have Siri remind you. Hey, Siri, remind me at 9 o'clock to look up Romans chapter 8. Siri will do that. You know, phones, now you have, you know. Man, talk about it. When you walk along the path, when you get up, when you lay down. Let's bathe ourselves in the word of God and prayer. When we do that, oh, we will see God's move, move in our life in a powerful way. That distance, that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, man, it will take you across the Jordan into the promised land in your walk with God. We need that more than anything. Come on up, guys. While they're coming up, those three things are the foundation for our salvation. This is the order that God put those in in the book of corinthians that we just read it's the same order that israel will go through as they leave egypt they're washed red sea it's a symbol then they're set apart they're god's people even though they wander for 40 years and eventually will be completely declared holy as they cross that jordan river what happened to the children of israel during those 40 years all those that didn't have faith in god had to do what They had to die. So they weren't just, they weren't a holy nation yet until they crossed the Jordan. All the unbelievers had to die and then they became justified or declared holy and entered the promised land. Are you with me? This morning, the only reason we find ourselves in a wilderness, we're already saved. We're already sanctified, set apart by God but we're wandering in a wilderness. You know, the whole reason is something in you's gotta die. Man, we take up our cross daily and follow Him. Some sin, some thing, if you find yourself in a wilderness and far from God this morning, something's gotta die. Man, I wanna examine myself. More than that, I want the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven, to examine my heart and my mind and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because, Lord, I want to I be pleasing to you. Not out of legalism, I'm, I'm already yours. But I want to please the holy God that, that loves me. Man, get out of the wilderness. What's got to die? Where's the doubt? Where's the fear? Maybe that has to die. Maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's just an attitude. All I know is once all those people died in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, then God could take them into the promised land. Folks, we can have that here. We can experience the presence and the joy of God here. I need that. During this next song, let's let's really worship the Lord. Do you know the ones who had to die? The whole reason they didn't go into the promised land was one thing, it wasn't sin, what was it? Fear, it was fear. Man, two of those spies that went into the land, Joe and I were talking about this for the service, they said, yeah, man, even though there's giants in the land, With God on our side, we can take them. And the rest of the spies said, oh, no way, we can't do it. Fear prevented them from going in. What had to die? The opposite of faith, fear. So this morning, maybe God wants to just say, man, all your fears, precious child of mine, I I want to put those on the cross with my son. And I want to bring you into complete faith and fill you with the fruit of my Holy Spirit this morning a love and a joy and a peace that transcends comprehension. I need that. I need that. Amen. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, Contact us at 949 888 5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word. I love.